All right. Welcome back to Failure TV, everybody. Uh, this week, or sorry, this month, I've got an awesome guest here. She is an author, a speaker, artistic director, and an improv phenom. Please welcome the founder of The Engaging Educator, Jen Brown. Jen, welcome to the show. Hi, happy to be here. Excellent. Thanks for coming. It's uh, great to have you. Now, for those of you that, or for those uh, that don't know exactly what The Engaging Educator is, could you give us a little rundown of what it is exactly that you do? Sure thing. So since we last talked, I think I just threw it on you and we were chit-chatting. I actually have two businesses now, which is kind of crazy. Uh, the first is The Engaging Educator. And what we do there is we use improv-based education to help people with their presentation, social, and communication skills. So whether they are looking to be a better presenter at work, whether they're looking to be a better networker, or whether they're better on dates or with friends or literally anything in between. We use improv-based education to help them feel a little more comfortable and a little bit more themselves. And then the other business actually is called Fearless and it's a women's empowerment clubhouse. And I love the term clubhouse uh, just based on the description uh, of the space that you gave me while we were chatting there. Um, why don't, <coughs> excuse me, um, what made you start up this uh, second business? Uh, what, what was the kind of, um, uh, pushing pushing thing for you on that. Yeah, so with EE, uh, the Engaging Educator, I've been running it since 2012, and we have a team in New York, in LA, and then I'm in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And after six years, I was feeling a little bit like, oh, okay, I got this, like really excited, we're doing really well. We've taught, I think, about 40,000 people in six years. So it's, wow. it's a pretty good business and I have no desire to franchise or sell it or anything like that. It's a boutique business for that reason. And I ended up getting a really big client where I sold a lot of my curriculum and I can still use it. They just purchased it to put on leadership cards. So I had this huge check and I was like, okay, I could be responsible and I could pay off things or like my student loans or I don't know, buy a house or something. And then I was like, or I could do what I wanted to do. So I, I had spent so many times in coffee shops, in cupcake shops, in cake places, wherever, like venting to girlfriends and sometimes crying myself, them. And I realized I was like, why isn't there somewhere where we can just hang out that is, is just a place for us? And I had worked at a couple of different organizations that had like really cool skill building classes. So I was like, this would be a really badass business model if we did things like taught classes in Plant 101, or maybe a sewing class, or a fermentation class. And yeah. that was our business model, along with having this like clubhouse membership for and by women. So I just bit the bullet and went for it. <laughs> And that's simply amazing. Uh, I think that there, uh, uh, I think that it, it, it's an amazing business model. I don't think there's enough of that out there. And I think that some of the topics that you've chosen to, to actually have workshops on and stuff, I think are amazing because I don't think there's enough skills being taught in general, uh, especially in schools. Like mm -hmm. the, the skills that you need to succeed in life are not what are, what are being taught in school, at least. I never got taught really anything in school. Like, I don't know, maybe taxes would have been a great thing to, to do. Oh in my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> we, have a, we have a budgeting class. We have an investing class, like beginning investing. And it's like stuff that, you know, as you, as you adult, you don't learn. Yeah. 
it's uh, it's something that I've learned not only from the internet, but uh, I, I had to ask a lot of questions. Like I remember the first time I ever did my own tax return, and that was just crazy. I let an accountant handle that stuff now because I just I I, I don't want to uh, <laughs> I don't want to screw it up. There's just you don't want to crash to and burn. Really, isn't this failure TV? Like fail yes. on your taxes? No, <laughs> I did though. Like uh, I once figured out I owed the government sixteen thousand dollars when in reality they owed me four hundred. So um, my failure taught me that um, it's better to pay somebody to do this type of work for me than to try to do it yes. myself. My time is better spent on the stuff that I excel at. Um, yes. I've... Uh, uh, the older I get, the the more I realize that. Like there, there's stuff that I would love to love to do, but I have given it more than it's uh, you know fair try over the years. Like trying to learn to program, I can't tell you how many times I've tried. Like I'm like. I can do it. No, I can't. It's just, it's too mathematical for me. I, I just, I'll leave it to the pros. That's such a, like, I wish that everyone felt the same way you did, because I think there's a certain time and place that like you have to give up your stubbornness and just acknowledge like where your strengths are and follow those strengths and know that you can't be good at everything. So like yeah. letting someone else do it so you can focus on what you're really good at. That's, that's better than like, struggling and struggling and struggling and doing something maybe that your brain isn't programmed for. Absolutely. And uh, I think the stubbornness is is a huge thing in that. Um, being mm -hmm. a Taurus, I'm definitely stubborn. Um, my oh. father was very stubborn, so I got, got a <laughs> that from him too. So it did take me a number of years to get over my own stubbornness uh, mm -hmm. to, to realize things. And, you know, I, th I think that was part of uh, me learning to accept failure as well was coming up or uh, being able to accept my stubbornness and know when, okay, you know what, maybe I have spent a little too much on this and, and it's time to move on to the next thing rather yeah. than just trying to grip on until it's like completely under. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a hard thing to do. That's for sure. It, it is actually. So kudos to you for figuring it out. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> like I said, it, it took a number of years for it to happen. Um, uh, as I was going through your website uh, on your About Us page, uh, I noticed something that all your staff members on there have, and that is a question that says, if failure was impossible, what would you do? And I absolutely love that you have that on there and that you make everyone answer that. Why did you start asking people that? Like, what was your motivator to, to start asking people those questions? And what have you learned from people that you asked that question to? Oh, man. Like, so I think my biggest motivator for that question is the fact that in improv, you fail all the time. Um, I So my background, I went to school undergrad for theater and dance. I've always done improv. I did improv even when I wasn't being an actor anymore and teaching improv now for professionals. So I'm not teaching actors, I'm teaching sales executives, associates, CEOs, people that are starting companies. And that that question or that word failure is so scary to so many people. And in improv, you're failing constantly. Like you have to try. The you have to push yourself. You have to fall on your face. So I ask that question because if we're not teaching people that failure is okay, we're the biggest hypocrites out there. Because if we're teaching improv and, and part of it is fail, like fail grandly, fail all the time, keep failing, like then we have to be comfortable with failure ourselves. And even then, I, I look at some of the answers from the staff and people that I meet and they're like, oh, I would try all these crazy things if I couldn't fail. And it's like, well, 
just try it. Like, I understand yeah. that's a very, very privileged mentality in some ways, shapes and forms to just like go for it and try it and fall on your face. But truth be told, most failures are just mistakes. Like mm -hmm. failures to an adult aren't necessarily like losing your job, losing your life, losing your dog. It's like, oh, I look silly or, oh, I feel disappointed. So I yeah. think that that word failure is such a scary connotation for people. And in reality, it's just a mistake. Absolutely. And I think uh, too many people are afraid of that failure or what they perceive mm -hmm. to be a failure. Um, like you said, um, the, the the word itself uh, can be a scary thing, but to different people, it means different things. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, my definition of failure has evolved greatly uh, over the past couple of decades. Same. And, yeah. Um, speak, so in, in your in your mind, what would be a failure to you? So rather than the dictionary definition of failure, what, what would your personal definition of failure be? Yeah, I think failure to me is stagnancy, is, is not living as big or as wide as I know that I'm capable of. I think a, a failure would be me not opening the second business, even as scary as it is, because I, I would rather have it not work and know that, oh, okay, at least I tried it, as opposed to saying, oh, I wish, I wish. And I think that's that's a failure, that wishing that I could do something or wishing that something, something that would be within the realm of my possibility. So I think for me, a failure is is sitting safe at home and not doing anything and wishing I could do something more. And that's nothing bad against sitting safe, safe at home because if you like doing that, then by all means, like take the safe corporate job if that's important to you. For me, something like that is failure. That is, that is okay, well, I'm not playing as large as I could. To me, that's that's terrifying. Be mm -hmm. Becoming becoming the cubicle worker that just day to day just in out in out it's just like no I, I i can't i can't do that and to know so many people are living that life and being like i wish i could do something it's like mm -hmm. you, you can you you just you have to take that chance and exactly. i think uh too many people think that that just means you know just like eyes closed diving in head first don't check for rocks in the water first but it's like no you know you take a chance, but make sure you do like your due diligence, you know, mm -hmm. do research, do information. Like obviously um, before you started your new business, you didn't just be like, Hey, here's a wicked space. Yeah. Here's a check. <laughs> Let's just do this. Right. Like yeah. obviously you, you did a bunch of research beforehand, right? Absolutely. It's, it's a lot about calculated risks. Like if I was living in New York still, I would not have opened the same business because I ended up using business models of people that I, I knew we're doing well. So I took a, a skill-based class. I took the whole women co-working space phenomena and I kind of put it together with a community center. And I think that that calculated risk is something people see EE and they're like, oh, well, you started EE in New York where there's like UCB and all these crazy improv theaters. And I'm like, I had no overhead. Like it was me. And it was my lack of sleep that I gave it to it, which which is worth something. And at the same time, like a big risk for some people, it wasn't a risk for me. So in, in that sense, it's very improv mentality of like, you take these calculated risks, you're flexible within a structure. You're not like, oh, okay, well, I'm just gonna blow all my money on something that someone already exists, like has created and that's moving next door to them with super high rent. 
No, I, I like talked my landlord down. I locked the lease in for two years. I talked to a bunch of people. And in three months, we have like 1,800 members because it's a needed thing in the community I'm in because there's nothing like it. Absolutely. Um, now, you you said something interesting here, and that's uh, when you were doing the Engaging Educated and you started out, it was just you. It was, it was you by yourself. And that is how a lot of entrepreneurs start. But now that you're doing this other business, is it still just you that's doing that? Or now are you relying on more people to help you along? I have, like we talked about earlier in that sense, I have learned where my weaknesses are. And I know for a fact I'm not good at everything. So EE, we have a staff now, and I've taken a, a pretty big step back in doing the actual workshops. Most of the staff gets to play and gets to do the fun stuff. I do the contracts and invoices and like write a lot of curriculum, which I love actually. And then when it comes to Fearless, I'm not teaching every night. Like I've, I've definitely like painted the walls, bought the plants, found the furniture, signed the checks for the electrician but it's sourced from the community. So I don't teach plant 101, I learn. I don't teach like fermentation, I'm learning. And it's so cool to watch these women like step forward and say, do you think anyone would want a class on X, Y, and Z? I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I'll absolutely. sign up right now. <laughs> yeah, right, like we had, we had a, um, I think one of our, the, the not the weirdest, but like one that someone was like, do you think anyone would be interested in? We had a bra fitting 101 class, like quite legit, a woman made a presentation on like how to properly find a bra that fits. And, and I it bet you like, it was really popular. Oh my God, it was, I learned, I was like in a meeting in back and I was like, like me and the two people were just like staring and what, cause, I feel like that's not something that a lot of us in like the 30 to 40 year old age bracket that we get taught. Some of my older friends are like, oh, of course you do it this way. And I'm like, no one has ever taught me that. Like, exactly. I have no idea what you're talking about. I used to live in a, a much bigger city uh, up in Calgary, so like 1.2, 1.3 million dollars. And I actually had an ex that went to a. It was it was kind of like a like a home lingerie party, but oh. they did the same kind of thing. They were they were teaching about proper fittings and all this yeah. kind of stuff. And she said the same thing. Everybody that was there was just like, "What?" Like another thing that why wasn't I taught this in school? Like why have I been doing it wrong for twenty or thirty years? Yes. And it's like the woman that taught it works at Hanes. So like Hanes t-shirts and stuff like that. And she's yeah. like an expert fit person there. So to have like this wealth of community knowledge, I think that was the, when I was starting, I had two collaborators and, and talking about failures, like, I don't think that's a failure to lose collaborators. I think it's a success to know where you stand, but I think like, sticking to your ground sometimes feels a little bit like a failure when people walk away from you. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, yeah, no. And the same thing happened with EE. It's like people think that they know how your business should run. And when you break up with them, it feels a little bit like a failure. And in the end, it's like, whew, thank goodness. <laughs> exactly. Sometimes it's just it's not meant to be. They weren't the, the right fit for the right vision of what you wanted to do. And it's it's not necessarily a bad thing, um, yeah. even though some people do take it that way. I think it's just you're looking at it from the wrong perspective at that time. And sometimes that's going to be the hardest thing is, you know, what, what perspective to look at and who to work with and who not to work with. And yeah. do I do it all myself? Do I help? 
um, with all that kind of stuff. And yeah. yeah. Well, how long you sit in that disappointment? I think it's okay mm -hmm. to be disappointed and upset when things like feel like a failure. Cause I would be lying if I said, Oh, I haven't felt like a failure for things I wouldn't now describe as failure. Like, mm -hmm. and it's, it's, do you choose to take that with you and to continue that? Or do you choose to like give yourself the grace to feel it? Because I can't stand people that are like, everything's learning. It's like, okay, fuck you. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know if that's okay. Totally okay. <laughs> cool. Um, I can't, like, like, it's like you have to give yourself the grace to feel. Like, it's okay to feel yeah. bad about something. It's okay for things to suck. Like, feel bad and then move on. Don't carry that with you. Absolutely. It's kind of like a, a bad breakup. You know, like, yeah. Oh. You, you think it's never going to end. Like you are in the worst sorrow ever and I'm never going to feel better. I'm never going to smile again. My life is over. <laughs> Yet two months later, here you are living your life. You're feeling mm -hmm. a whole lot better. You've got different perspective. It's just you, now that you've had that time and trying to give yourself, like you said, that, that time to, I don't know, kind of grieve uh, yeah. of, uh, of a failure like that. It's a learning thing, but sometimes learning hurts. <laughs> Just like when you fell off your bike the first time and skinned your knee. It was exactly. a learning experience, but it hurt. <laughs> and it's okay. It's okay yeah. to hurt. Like, like you don't have to be sunshine, rainbows coming out of your butt all the time. Like, it's all right. All right. Yeah, rainbow barf isn't just the way way it is all the time. Sometimes it's just green, and you got to deal with it. <laughs> I dig it. I dig it. <laughs> yeah. Um, going back to to when you um, uh, when you transitioned over from doing everything yourself to, to having a staff, what was the hardest thing for you during during that transition? Like, did it feel like you were kind of giving up yes. your baby? Oh God, yes. Oh God, like like it is. Uh, Control is a funny thing. And when I think my biggest fear, and I don't think I've often confessed this, was thinking that other people would be able to do it better than me and that people would like the way they're teaching more or the way that they were running something than me. And I was, I remember being so scared. I'm like, oh my God, what if I'm useless? Like, what if no one wants me? And it was, it's such a weird thing. Cause like now I'm like, well, but I created this, like this brand, the reason that people trust anyone under it is because of what I did. And that's what I should be proud of. But whew, it feels like I, every single time it feels like I'm like giving away a child or something a little bit. And it's, it's a, I, I know I have trust issues when it comes to things like that because of a lot of bad collaborations and a lot of bad partnerships. Yeah. So I think now I am just really careful who I invite into the inner workings of a business. Um, I'm very, very cautious and I, I trust those people immensely because I've put them through the ringer in my own brain to like make sure I understand who they are. But in the beginning it was like I was selling an organ like it hurts so bad. That's a really good way to describe it, actually. <laughs> so, during that time, did you did you ever come up with any kind of um, training or courses or improv like that that kind of um, targeted people that would feel the same kind of way as you were? Like, hey, you know what? I could use this as a as an education tool now. I mean, improv is so much about like giving up and taking control. Like I, I probably would be my own worst student at certain points in my life. And I think so, so many times I look at my own reaction to things and I'm like, 
man, this is what I tell people not to do in class. Like, this is what I tell people that helps improv, like, let it go. And, and it's, it's constantly a learning. Like, I, I find that if I talk about my experiences going through those moments in class or in my book or when I'm speaking, like, people trust you a little bit more because you're, you're giving in, you're showing that vulnerability, you're not perfect. So, I mean, yeah, every, every experience has completely colored my teaching, colored how I interact with people. I think knowing how to delegate is something that we started teaching a lot in improv and like how to give feedback because those are two things that I know I had to learn being a manager and being in charge of like how to give real feedback, not just get mad or not just be like, oh, it's fine, I'll just do it myself. And it's like, no, no, no. Like, how do you how do you actually tell someone what they're doing is is not the best way to do it? Like they they should be doing it in a different way. And a lot of people get upset about stuff like that. And again, that's improv, being direct, being specific, being able to talk to someone as opposed to talk about stuff that's over here. It's yeah. really difficult. It it really is, and for for anybody that's never done improv before, it's uh, it, it is a ton of fun. Um, but mm -hmm. you, you really kind of have to get into it first because at, at the beginning, there you're right. You're you're just so afraid. You're you're vulnerable. You don't want to screw up, even though the goal of it is to screw up as much as possible mm -hmm. to learn about those screw ups and, and move mm -hmm. on. But it's still it's it's so difficult and when you have the right group of people together and mm -hmm. you know you make a game of the failure side of things mm -hmm. um i don't know if this is something that you do but <clears throat> what we did in a team building exercise recently actually with uh, i had a group of nine people and uh we had our, our little team thing and when we were doing our improv if you kind of stalled out for more than five seconds, then everybody in the audience just went, die! And then you had to die in the most dramatic way possible. Oh my God. <laughs> so rather than just walking off and sitting down, you had to have more fun figuring yeah. out how you were going to die. Like just oh like the, the things people came up with, like one guy, you didn't quite get it right at the beginning, but his story was a little girl had a grenade and threw it at him and he threw himself on it. And it was just like, where did that come from? Like from completely stalled to this whole other little storyline. And sometimes you need those stalls. You need to just look mm -hmm. at something completely different to get those juices flowing again. Well, we play an improv game in a lot of my trainings uh, called Zip Zap Zop, where you pass like an impulse around. And traditionally in the theater terms, if you if you stall, if you say the wrong thing, if you make a mistake, if you have a meltdown, you sit out. So you stop playing. So in that sense of like, oh yeah, you have to walk away and you don't get a dramatic death scene in this, which I absolutely love immensely. Um, but, but in the way we play it, we all put our hands on our hips and we all do like a hip thrust and go auga and everyone does it. And you should see these suits. Like, like I, I mean, I run a lot of corporate trainings so the first time you do it, they're all like, what the hell are you doing? Why are we doing this? And that's when people in class are like, I am leaving. Like I have not signed up for this. And then they start doing it and realizing by everyone failing to get failing together by everyone laughing at themselves, by not taking things so seriously, they're like, yeah. oh, this is really great. And they're having so much fun all with like a hip thrust and a funny noise. So it's very Absolutely. similar in the sense of like, call out the mistake, like own it, you've got it, great, and now move on.
Absolutely. I, I think that really helps um, people understand who they're working with more because in a corporate environment, especially when you're doing a team building with like uh, upper executives and CEOs and stuff, and you're one of those lower tiers to mm -hmm. see somebody in that position, make a fool out of themselves and then laugh it off and continue on. It's just like, you know, you, I think you get more of a, a meaningful connection and relationship with those people out of it. Um, it's that same shared vulnerability, that same, yeah. like you're showing a different, you're showing your humanity, which I think is important, especially in corporate environments, because if you're just working and you're seeing someone in just one way and you never see them human, then it's like, you're, how well are you working with them? How well are you communicating with them? Exactly. And uh, I think what you're doing is absolutely amazing in those terms um, and being able to <laughs> to do that. Like I said, I, I've done a bunch of team building over the years mm -hmm. and by far the most fun one that I've ever done was was the improv. Uh, drum circle was kind of fun, but I think... Drum circle, that would be really cool. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it wasn't too bad. We all got drums and we all got to make a bunch of banging sounds for like two hours. So yeah, it was... <laughs> It was cool, but you know, there were, there was no dramatic death scenes. Dramatic <laughs> death scenes or something else. Like I love that. <laughs> yeah, well, you're more than willing to uh, welcome to use it. I will uh, you credit you. Well. Don't worry. <laughs> well, you'll you'll have to credit uh, uh, my buddy Brock who uh, did our did our thing because he's done improv before as well, and uh, actually he did it as uh, a way more to come out of his shell and and make more interactions and, and learn how to, to do those accepting fails as well. So awesome. um, it was great that he brought that into, into our team building as well. So very cool. Yeah. Good job, um, Brock. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I got to tell him to listen to this episode. Hey, man, we talked about you. <laughs> See, this is how you get more people to listen to your podcast. You, you talk about them. You talk about other people. <laughs> That's right. You should listen. We had, we had a good conversation about you. Yeah, that's all. It's easy. <laughs> yeah. So, um, from the corporate people that that you've dealt with, like, what's uh, what's one of the most common things that you hear from people that you weren't really expecting when you when you started out with this? Like, you know, you're 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 trying to bring people together, but what's uh, kind of an unexpected side effect of of what you've been doing? I think um, it's looking back on it. It's one of those hindsights, 2020. So now I look at back at back at and I'm like, Oh, of course, in the beginning, and still now I am constantly surprised on how close people get so quickly. And it's something that people would say after I still remember, um, we teach at Columbia University, uh, the company does it's for a PhD program. And we teach improv to people that are getting their PhDs and like trying to teach in an adjunct position. And I didn't even know that this guy was with Columbia University and he was like the director of this whole program. And he came to one of the classes and he's like, why do I feel so close to all of you right now? And I'm like, oh, well it's improv. He goes, no, 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 like I feel like closer to you than I do to all of my colleagues, like what's going on? And, and it's, it constantly surprises me how quickly people let down their guards and, and say, wow, I felt really comfortable after seeing how nervous they're like this when they're sitting in their chairs. So I think that that's, that's one of the biggest surprises. I think also the, um, the idea that people don't pay attention to the words coming out of their mouth is, is still surprising to me, especially in this day and age. They're like, wow, I never knew I said X all the time. Like the word but is one of those words that, that people use constantly and they don't realize how often they use it. And every time I hear it, I'm like, ooh, 
ooh, you're shutting things down. Like you're stopping the conversation and you're telling someone basically their idea is stupid. And, and people don't realize that until they start thinking about it. Yeah, words are, are very powerful things. And mm -hmm. uh, um, I didn't realize uh, how much people say um and ah until I started uh, speaking and teaching um, because I took a couple of uh, courses to, to help me with that. And they were like, okay, you got to really watch this. And so I, you know, I'd record some of my, mm -hmm. my tests and it was just like, holy crap, like for, for a 20 minute presentation, I spent four minutes total going, uh, 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 and yeah. it's just like, you, you're totally not conscious of it until you start thinking about it and trying okay. to, to, to get yourself through. I'm sure you've run into that yourself many times. We teach uh, presentation skills too. And so it's not just improv for communication skills. Like it's straight up presentation skills. A lot of times we work with like Viacom and Food Network and, and some of the things that we really have to work with people on are those disfluencies, the ums, the uhs, the ands, the sos, the likes, all of that garbage. And people, they get so badly in their heads about it once they start hearing it that it's it's you get them to identify you get them in their heads to pay attention and then you figure out why they're saying it and then you break them of that habit and it's it's a lot of times people just run their mouths they're not actually thinking about those words they're just like how can i fill the silence i'm just gonna keep talking and uh then i'm gonna lead off because i uh don't want to have a silence and it's so habitual with people yes. that if they just slow down, it's so much better. Absolutely, I, um, one, of, one of the best pieces of advice that uh, I've ever gotten while uh, doing any kind of talking, speaking, anything like that was slow the fuck down. Like if you think yeah. you're going slow enough, you are not slow yeah. down. And yeah. again, until you actually hear yourself and are speaking to a hundred people, like mm -hmm. you think you're just like, yeah, I'm being mm -hmm. very relaxed here. Yeah, everyone looking at you is like, um, I didn't get any of that. Could you slow that down mm -hmm. again? Mm -hmm. I think that was probably one of my hardest things because I'm, I'm definitely a talker. It's, it's not getting me talking. It's getting you to shut up. That's the problem. And I think it's okay to like do that once in a while if you're engaging. Like you're really interesting. So you're not sitting here talking like this the whole time and being very bland voice. So you can throw those in and not really be concerned because you're animated when you're talking and you're invested. It's when people don't necessarily ha aren't checked in enough with what they're talking about and they do that that's when it starts taking away from a message and makes it difficult to listen to. So when you're running a, like a, like an improv class or, or a session or something like that, and you see somebody doing that, like being very reserved or being very monotone, what kind of things will, will you try and get them to do to help them try and break that? Oh, I am so upfront. I am like, I tell people flat out, I'm like, hey, you are in your head. You are playing small. Let's get you out of this. And if it's a presentation skills class, I will make them do something over the top. Like if they're doing gesture work, I will make them be bigger than life. And you see them start to get nervous in their face. And the thing is, if you feel awkward doing something, everyone's going to feel awkward watching you. So we get the energy we put out. If you commit to something and like go all in, then people are gonna laugh, not because they're laughing at you, they're gonna laugh because it looks great. And they're gonna That's get really excited about it.
So when I see someone playing small, I, I confront them head on. I'm not the type of teacher or the type of facilitator that's like, oh, maybe I can nudge them in the direction because they paid, they signed up for this. Mm -hmm. They, and, and the thing is, I'm not going to let someone fall without a safety net. Like I, I assess the risk, I think for that person. And I've had one person in six years leave a class and she came back and said she had a really bad day. So she just couldn't right now. And other than that, like even people that are super uncomfortable and just completely playing small and in their heads, they appreciate getting pushed a little bit because the situation that we create as a company, and I do know this because people have said this, we create a very comfortable situation. Like we disarm people pretty quickly because we have to. If we're in a room full of senior VPs and we're like, auga, like we cannot be off our game. So I think the the difference is like when we talk about improv and we talk about these activities, we're not like, oh, when I was on stage, we're very like, hey, when you're in a meeting and you're distracting or you look awkward, you're not gonna have the attention and you're not gonna make the sale. So we use the terms that are really specific to that person. And I think that that helps people, even though we're seeing someone that's in their head or playing small and we're getting them like out of it, they, they trust us. Yeah, absolutely. Now here, um, do you find that um, people that tend to be a little more reserved at the start end up being some of the most involved people at the end? I, I think it depends. It, if a lot of times, yes. I, I think some people get in their own way so badly that they they need to work through other things before they get to be some of the most involved people. We've been lucky that we've had some students that have been with us for five, six years and they take our public class because we teach public classes as well as going into organizations. So I've watched these people grow, my husband included, like he's taken every improv class I've ever taught here. And it's it's interesting living with a student because he like went from this guy that was like super in his head and like thought back here all the time and overthought things to he's a lot more confident now. And he would say it too. His parents would say it, his work would say it, that he's, he's a lot more upfront, but that was over a course of years. Like if I would have judged him the first time we met, cause we actually met when I was teaching an improv class, I would have been like, this guy has like no hope whatsoever. This is not happening. Cause he was like so in his head and overthinking everything. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, I used to teach uh, HTML and CSS and I would see the same thing all the time. And uh, a prime example, very similar to yours was a girl that she, she broke down crying at the end of class on the first day. And she's like, you know, I don't think I can do this. Like, so, you know, we talked about it and I'm like, you know what, give it another class, see mm -hmm. what you think. If not, you know, you, you've got two classes to, to be able to, to get your money back and stuff. If not, you know, stick around, ask questions, all that kind of stuff. Yep. And by the end of the eight weeks, because it was a weekly eight week course, um, it did take her a little longer than some of the other people. But by the end, she was writing some of the best code out of everyone in the class. Like starting out, she was like, I'm never going to be able to do this. And then she reached that aha moment and, mm -hmm. and just made it. But she was ready to quit on that first day. And trying and to get people to realize you got to take that extra step. Well, that's, that's exactly what we were talking about in the sense of you have to push through that discomfort. Like if you stay in that discomfort and go, oh, I failed, I can't do this, then of course you're not gonna get farther. If you say, okay, well, that was awful. I'm going to do better. So let me see what next. 
And I think that 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 pushed through. That's why that woman did so well because she had her moment of discomfort. She she experienced it. She didn't like bury it. And I think that's something that we don't do nearly enough. I mean, I'm 36 and I can count on one hand the amount of people that I know that will actually like admit their emotions a lot and, on a consistent basis. Most people like hide it. We hide behind like Facebook and Instagram and like those perfect lives. And it's like she she had that moment of like, wow, this is awful. And then she got past it, which is really, really important. Absolutely. Um, I have my own issues with that still. Like mm -hmm. I've, I've definitely come way out of my shell from, from 20 years ago um, and expressing emotions and all that kind of stuff. But it, it is. And I think pe more people need to realize that it's, it's not something that is going to happen immediately. Like you're not going to take one improv class and you're going to be a hundred percent better at everything that you do. You know, Absolutely. it's something that you've got to work on and, and continue developing that like, mm -hmm. like any skill. And that's kind of what I, I, I told this girl as well was because, you know, being the teacher, people are always comparing it to, oh, well, you, you, you know so much about this. I'm like, yeah. And I've been doing it for 20 years. Exactly. Like, I really wish I had my old websites from, from the GeoCities days, because oh. if I could show people those, they'd be like, oh God. Yeah. Like I can do this. Like if that's what you were putting out when you first mm -hmm. started, I'm mm -hmm. golden. <laughs> I tell people that like, cause people both, both in the sense of with my improv and teaching and things like that. And then when people see like my businesses and they're like, wow, your brand looks so beautiful and you've got everything pulled together. I'm like, Girl, if you could just see the website I made myself like years ago and like the font and like the logo, like you'd be all right. Don't worry. This is like six years of me learning how to how to business. Absolutely. So don't don't think that this comes overnight. Yeah, and that, I think that's one of uh, one of the biggest failure points for for people is to think that you know everything comes a lot quicker than it really does. Where pretty much any business or entrepreneur business owner or entrepreneur will tell you, you know, from, from scratch, it's going to take you like three years to start turning a profit for any business. Mm -hmm. You know, you're, you're going to need to, uh, perfect phrase. I heard about this. Um, being an entrepreneur lets you sleep like a baby. You're up every three hours crying and it's just like, <laughs> yes. my God, that is so on the nose. <laughs> like, it's so real. Oh God. It's so real. Exactly. <laughs> you, You've had those nights, I can tell. <laughs> Everyone has. And I, I coach, I mentor small businesses at the Small Business Center here. And actually today, so um, the Small Business Center here does a, a, a grant or a, a competition, I guess is the best way to describe it, where you have a chance to win your share or up to $50,000. And you go, right? That's like not small change. So you go through a business accelerator and you like meet with mentors and you do a presentation and all of this stuff. And this is the third round that we've had. And I'm reading these applications and, and I'm so excited that so many people applied. There was like 49 applications, which is so much more than we've ever had. And at the same time, I'm like, do these people know how much work this is? Like, like what they're proposing for their business is so big. And it's like, you, you cannot put the cart before the horse. Like mm -hmm. you, you need to understand, like, how are you going to make money? Like, how are you different? 
who is your competition? And so many people don't consider that. They like just think, oh, I'm going to do this. And then they fail, fail. And they're like, oh, I suck. I'm an awful person, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, you just didn't think of these like super key things that you have to. And the, yeah. the successful businesses that you see, trust me, they screwed up too. So, so don't think that it's just this like easy, fun thing. Like, I don't want to I don't want to work anymore for someone else. I think I've heard that so much lately. And I'm like, you work more than anyone else when you run a business, because if you don't work, you don't get paid. Exactly. I, I, I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> and I think one of the big things that I, I, I tell a lot of people is do a business plan. It, it sucks. It's probably the most boring thing you will do, mm -hmm. but it will give you an unbelievable insight into your business and it will make you consider and look into things that you did not consider, especially when you get to the, the financial spreadsheet portion of what are every one of your costs? What are you going to sell things for? Where are you going to make the money? How are you going to attract customers? This is like, oh, um, I, I don't know. <laughs> like, let me look into this and get back to you. And even but, if you're in like ideation and still thinking of things, still know how you're going to make money. Like, like if anything, like you could have a bang up idea. If you have no way to bring in revenue, no one is going to pay you to do this. Like that, you're not gonna find a bunch of investors that are like, "Hey, you're cool. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you money." It's like, no, no, no. You need to know how you bring money in. Exactly. That. Um. Did you ever watch uh, Silicon Valley? Yes. That there's uh, one episode where um, he gets the 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 big investor or mm -hmm. uh, the big name to invest yep. in him, and he goes in and he figures he's just gonna cut him a check, and he learns very quickly that no, he's like, "Where's your cap table? Where's your business plan? Where's your this and that?" And he's just like. Uh, what? <laughs> and that's the reality of it. Like that, that's how a, an investor will treat you if they're that nice to you. <laughs> well, even in the small business challenge here, like they have to go through this rigorous process where they might be able to pitch. Not everyone gets to. And this is a, this is a smaller town, Winston-Salem, North Carolina. This is not like New York or LA. And you, it, they put you through the ringer. And Absolutely. I know as a judge for that, like, I ask so many hard questions. I know I look at all of these. I was like, I realized I was like scoring them so hard today. And I'm like, oh my gosh, is this okay? And then I thought about it. I'm like, no, 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 this is good because they, they need to know and I need to know and I can't like, and it's not that like I'm, I, I, oh, they have to work because I worked. It's, they have to understand and people need to understand that it is not easy to start a business. It is not easy to go off on your own. And sometimes it is better to freelance for a little bit if you have something cool versus like doing the whole business plan. Like sometimes you need a client before you have a business. Absolutely. So yeah, oh, oh I could talk all day about failures <laughs> in entrepreneurship. It is like, it, that has gotta be, we teach so many entrepreneurs and startups and pitch competitions and things like that. And when we tell people, I'm like, you have to go for broke and just like do it and say everything and be you and be the best version of you and all that stuff. And at the same time, like part of me wants to be like, oh, what if we taught a class on how not to fail in a business plan? <laughs> <or something. laughs> like, where does the money come from? Exactly. But you can have an amazing business plan and still not get your funding, your investors or whatever it is you need. But again, that doesn't mean that, that that's a failure. That's just 
that's the the stepping stone to whatever's coming next. Absolutely. Well, that was one of the reasons why one of my original collaborators and I like broke up because she really wanted to make it fearless, scalable, investable, like sponsor this. And did you see Jurassic World? Sure did. Okay, so like when they're like Pepsi Source Rex and like 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 saying I was like I don't want to be fearless brought to you by Pepsi. Like I don't, I don't want that and I don't want it to be scalable and I don't want it to be investable. Like I want it to be local and homegrown. Like the point of this is like community center. But yeah. with with like fancy, not fancy because we just have nice furniture like couches and stuff. Like it's really cute. So it's not like like have you seen pictures of the wing which uh bless that space they have a conversation pit like quite literally dug into the floor it's that's you cool to, you need to look this up like it is like the most gorgeous space i've ever so we're not like that we're definitely more like crunchy like like there's still snacks and wonderful things like that there's not like a bar and a kitchen so i have no desire to to create something like that and it's okay that your business isn't a scalable business if you do that it's it's really where you put success and like what what's your definition of success for for everything because if you don't know what your definition of success is you will constantly be disappointed you will constantly fail because you don't know where that that yay is so nothing will feel yay absolutely that was honestly that is the perfect place to to, to end for the day um like you just described that just perfectly but i have my one final question so um because you do this all the time uh it might be a little bit easier for you but if you could give anybody that's uh trying to start something up right now uh one piece of advice what would that what would that be oh i think the best piece of advice is to trust your gut and 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 really like like sit down and let yourself be quiet and really think things through before you start talking to everyone because everybody's got an opinion everybody so so know the things that are important to you and and really sit down and be quiet with it before you start soliciting advice because everyone has advice is like everywhere and people are like, do this, do that, do it this way, do it that way. May I offer you a suggestion? And it's like, it, you can take all of those if you yourself are confused on, on where you want success to be, then all of that is gonna be such loud noise that you're not gonna get there. So if you know what like success is for you, if it's like financial independence, if it's doing something you love, if it's seeing through this really cool idea, like whatever that end, nugget is if you know that then all that advice won't cloud things it'll just add and maybe give you good ideas if you don't know where that is all that advice is going to make you crazy <laughs> absolutely it's uh <clears throat> I, I can't remember who said it but uh they said if they if they were uh reading all the stuff that people wrote about them online um they probably would have quit the business like oh. years ago <laughs> like, yeah because Everybody does have the opinion. Everybody's got to mention it. And you're always going to have the haters. You can please some of the people some of the time, but you can't please all the people all the time, right? You are not pizza. <laughs> not everyone will like you. This is very right. important. <laughs> <laughs> I even know people that don't like pizza. So that's weird. That's weird. <laughs> weird. 
They don't like happiness either, clearly. It's fine. <laughs> Very clearly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. Uh, again, thank you so much for, for joining me uh, this month, Jen. It was amazing talking to you. I think uh, what you're doing is, is amazing, and the new business is even more amazing, and I wish you all the luck with it. Thank you. This was a pleasure. Thank you very much. And for all those uh, listening and watching, uh, thanks again for, for joining us. We'll see you again next month. Have a great month.